For God has not destined us for wrath, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us, so that whether we are awake or asleep, we might live with him. 1 Thessalonians 5, verses 9 and 10. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Please be seated. This morning, I want to preach on the topic of sleep. <laughs> Hopefully you don't fall asleep during it, but that would be a good, uh, that would be, I suppose, ironic. Um, the word sleep is used in three different senses in the New Testament, and I want to unpack each of the three, um, because in this passage we just heard from Paul in First Thessalonians, he uses all three senses in quick succession, that if you weren't tracking with laser focus, that you might have missed it. So um, I want to unpack the three senses. Natural sleep, of course, just sleep as we know it. Moral sleep, and then death. Those are the three ways in which the New Testament uses the word sleep. So natural sleep, um, we're all familiar with, but I think, unfortunately, um, we don't actually intuitively understand what's happening when we sleep anymore because we use the metaphor of computers for our brains. We talk about processing and you know hard drive store. I mean, we kind of use this, and we think about sleep then as our minds shutting down. Um, but we're not computers. Our minds don't shut down when we sleep. Our brains do something different, and they restructure neurons of biology. I don't understand. Um, I don't think. I think the neurologists are still figuring it out. But our mind is part of our soul, and it doesn't go anywhere. We're going to come back to that in just a second. Sleep also is not just a shutting down. Of course, we, the biologists tell us it's a rejuvenation. Our body gets restored. I think there's a metaphor uh, in that. Sleep is a gift from God. It says in Psalm 127, um, He gives to His beloved sleep. He gives to His beloved sleep. Um, we all want a good night's sleep. Um, it's a, you know enormous industry of selling really expensive mattresses. My brother just spent $90 on a pillow, a purple pillow. Um, which I think it's a crazy amount of money to spend on a pillow. But the whole goal is to get a good night's sleep. But how much do we do it, but yet fail to ask the giver of sleep? Well, please give me the gift of sleep. And like all prayers, he might not, he might not answer it, but he might. Uh, I never go to bed without asking the giver of sleep for that gift. Um, and when we're sleeping, our brain does a sort of changes gears in a, in, a, in a very profound way, but our soul is still alive. Souls don't sleep. It's sort of the way the, the, the um, church fathers talk about it is like, it, it's like um, when you're sleeping, it's like your mind lets go of the ropes of the sailboat, and you're kind of adrift. You're kind of at play to the mercy of um, a number of things, which we're going to come to as well. But the, the, your, who you are is, is still there. And we have dreams, of course. We know some dreams are, are sort of meant revisitations of the day's experiences. Some dreams, I think, are manifestations of things which have lain hidden in our hearts. God can speak through um, Balaam's donkey, and I, speak, I think he spoke through Freud, who said that what we repress during the day, we dream about at night. Rarely, um, a dream can be a communication from God, but I think that's extremely rare. Um, I think often in our dreams we can be harassed by demons. I know that sounds like something straight out of the Middle Ages, um, but I, with all my heart, I believe that is the case. That we're we're under we are more vulnerable, not having our rational faculty, which is sort of the, the great mark of the image of God on us, um, not having it alert, 
we are um, a bit more spiritually vulnerable. Um, not to harm, we belong to God. The demons can't hurt us. In fact, it makes them so mad <laughs> that they can't hurt us that because God has conquered the power of Satan. All they can do is annoy. So the harassment of the demons, it, it's not, it doesn't put you in spiritual peril, but it is annoying. Um, and it, I think just to say two things about then the content of dreams in the face of the reality of spiritual forces. Um, the first is, this happens to me fairly regularly, we sometimes dream about something about a sin, which then we didn't do in the day, thanks be to God, but that's because he's the God's hedging us in. Do you know God is actually preventing you from doing sins in your daily life and as a gift to us? But that doesn't mean that the will wouldn't do it if it had the right opportunities. And I think dreams sometimes reveal that. And I think that's actually the Holy Spirit shining light into sort of the dark caverns of the heart. And there's a chance to repent and say, Lord, I am a sinner. With my will, I want wicked things. Please forgive me and, and heal me. Make my heart more whole. When it comes to those, um, you know, sometimes I think a nightmare is just a nightmare. But when it feels like sort of being harassed by the enemy at night, um, it's not clear what the enemy's goal is. I think to sort of frighten us or just, just annoy us or, make, or maybe make us panic and forget to pray. I don't know what. But I do know that the church has always enjoined her, her children, all of us, to pray for spiritual protection at night. If you've ever, have, you ever, have you ever prayed Compline out of the Book of Common Prayer? You ever prayed Compline? No, you ever prayed Compline? Well, so there's all these prayers in Compline, right, where it's like, protect us through the hours of this night, defend us from all perils and dangers of this night. For years, I thought this was just like a piece left over from the Middle Ages about like the bears or the Vikings or something. Um, but then I looked into it. One of the colleagues says, drive far from here all snares of the enemy. Right? We are continually opposed in spiritual warfare, and the time when the enemy can annoy us particularly is when we're asleep. So we pray against the snares of the enemy. In some of the ancient um, versions of these prayers, that even will be very explicit and say, Lord, protect us from the phantasms of the demons in our dreams. I think that's a good... I, I never go to bed without praying that prayer. And since I started praying it, my dreams aren't always perfectly peaceful, but they're certainly much more peaceful. Okay, that's kind of a natural sleep. Um, the other sense of the Bible is moral sleep, and this is a metaphor, right? That the same way a person is sleeping, they're not attuned to what's going on around them. Their senses aren't working. They, don't, they can't taste or touch or see. If they wake up, well, then they're no longer sleeping. The, part of being, the definition of being asleep is not being sensate to those things. And that's a picture of a state we can fall into morally, right? To not be sensitive to what is true, to what is good, to what is godly. And this is the way that the Bible often uses the word sleep. Paul uses it like Romans 13, 11, the hour has come for you to wake up from sleep, right? Come to your moral senses, right? That's what we still say, come to your senses. And as we heard in Thessalonians, we, sh we shouldn't sleep as others do. So here we see that sleepiness is sort of the opposite of the thing I, the scriptures uh, l led me to preach about last week, right? The, I, the virtue of vigilance and awakeness. If that means being attentive to the things of God, what he's would have us hear and, and do, sleepiness is not being attentive to what he would have us hear and do. That's moral sleep. Um, one last thing about moral sleep, you know, it's, uh, Paul points out this sort of correspondence with the natural world that we sleep when it gets dark out. 
And it can be the same thing with us morally. It says also in the scriptures, bad company corrupts good morals, that we need to be especially worried about falling asleep when it's dark and about falling morally asleep when it's dark. When evil all around us in the fallen world seems to be rising, there's a danger of becoming morally drowsy. So that's moral sense, natural sleep, moral sleep. And then the third sense in which the Bible speaks about sleep is as a metaphor for death. Um, The Bible isn't the only book to compare sleep to death. The connection's intuitive because a sleeping body and a dead body look kind of the same unless you check for signs of life. I actually had the very embarrassing experience as a young chaplain before I was a priest where I was um, holding a man's hand in the hospice wing of a hospital and praying with him. And only about 15 minutes into sitting there did I realize he, he was long dead, but I didn't know. Because a dead body and a sleeping person look kind of the same. The big difference, of course, is that um, with sleep you wake up, but with death you don't. Or at least you didn't, right? Until Jesus, well, first of all, prophesied by Elijah's rising of the dead and Jesus' own raising the three people that he raises from the dead but then his own resurrection, now actually for the first time, uh, you can wake up from sleep. That when the ancient Greeks compared sleep to death, that was just wishful thinking. They were hoping death would be like sleep, but they didn't know. They'd never seen anybody wake up. We've actually seen someone come back from the grave. Jesus has conquered, he's punched the teeth out of death. Death no longer has a sting. So now you can, especially um, it says at the, end of the, at the end of time, God will raise all people from the dead, the wicked and the good. And the wicked will be sent to everlasting punishment, and the good will be brought into everlasting joy. As it says in the parable, come into the house, the joy of your master. So for us Christians, death is actually, we should regard it just as sleep. We know, of course, that when we die, our soul goes to be with God, so experientially, The process of dying and the decay of the body is often painful, but the actual moment of death is not painful, right? It's just a closing of the eyes, and then the the next time you open them, there's God, right? It's as easy as sleeping. And our body also rests in hope, as it says in the Psalms. God's promised that he'll raise our bodies. So in a metaphorical way, when we put a body into the ground, it's just sleeping there just resting until the second coming of Jesus. Did you know that cemetery just means from the Latin sleeping place? Just a big old dormitory. (laughs) So to a Christian, um, death is no scarier than sleep. Death is no scarier than sleep. I, I actually, for a long time, I thought sleep was just like this euphemism, like passed on or kicked the bucket, like something that you say to avoid saying the D word, you know, death. Um, but I actually am convinced that in the Bible, it's actually a theological taunt. It's actually saying, death, you're just sleep. No big deal. As easily as I sleep, I could die. I'm not afraid. The Anglican priest poet George Herbert actually has a poem about this, which I encourage you to look up. It's so good. It's called Death. I won't read the whole thing, but just a couple lines. He begins by saying, um, Death, thou wast once an uncouth, hideous thing, nothing but bones, the sad effect of sadder groans. And he talks about how horrible death was. But in the middle of the poem, he says, But since our Savior's death did put some blood into thy face, thou art grown fair and full of grace. And the poem ends, 
For we do now behold thee, death, gay and glad, as at doomsday, when souls shall wear their new array, and all thy bones with beauty shall be clad. Therefore we can go die as sleep, making our pillows either down or dust. I just love that line, that for a Christian, whether your pillow is feather down or the dust of the grave, six of one, half a dozen of the other, if we grip the, tr- the real truth that we, is ours in Christ Jesus, the death is just a, a sleep from which he will raise us. Okay, so that's the three um, meanings of sleep with sort of commentary out of the scriptures. Um, let me read to you again a few of those verses from First Thessalonians, and I, I, I hope that they'll be much clearer. So then, let us not sleep morally as others do, but let us keep awake and be sober. For those who sleep naturally sleep at night, and those who get drunk are drunk at night. But since we belong to the day, let us be sober, having put on the breastplate of faith and love, and for a helmet the hope of salvation. For God has not destined us for wrath, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us, so that whether we are awake or asleep, dead, we might live with him. Amen.